Pubcast. If you're not listening to Pubcast, the terrorists are winning. That's what Jay Moore says. Welcome to the Pubcast. Sit down and enjoy a pint. Okay, we're back. Finally, after a long hiatus, the Pubcast is back. Uh, after uh, the past few months, we've had to fight through uh, all sorts of technical issues software updates, the publishing platform not working properly, and then uh, a little thing called coronavirus hit, and uh, apparently my computer caught it. It was in recovery for about three weeks. Uh, The jackasses who were fixing it must have been listening to Trump because uh, the cure was definitely worse than the problem, but uh, I have my computer back. We can edit things. We can publish things, so we're we're all good. Uh, but so the pubcast is back with a new format. The old format was fine, but we couldn't get together often enough to generate any sort of rhythm. So we're going back to our roots. Uh, this podcast was originally called uh, Boardwalk Breakdown, and we used it to just go through that week's episode of Boardwalk Empire, uh, break down the themes and the characters and all that good stuff. So now we're going to mostly focus breaking down classic movies, uh, some of our favorite movies and maybe even TV shows uh, and other pop culture stuff. So with this new format, I'm also going to experiment with some different music choices uh, and different segments, so things will evolve over the next uh, few episodes. So for this first episode in our new format, uh, we decided to tackle Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a classic movie that everybody likes. Uh, There's all sorts of behind-the-scenes stuff that we get into. Uh, we recorded this on day six of the quarantine, which seems like three years ago at this point. Um, this one ran a little long, so I broke it up into two parts. So here's part two of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? Syphilitic meningitis. He never gets caught. This guy in my biology class said that if Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Well, he's very popular, Ed. I recall Central Park in fall. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Think he'll be alive this weekend? I can see him denying popular beliefs, setting off on some impossible mission jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool, and he never gets nailed. Ferris can do anything. Oh, he's such a sweetie. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. It's a fool's paradise. He is just leading you down the primrose path. Matthew Broderick. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because life is too beautiful a thing to waste. Would this movie work today? Okay. And then what would the sequel be? Okay. So I think my two questions that I wanted to ask are more closely related to Recasturbate, if we were redoing this in 2020. All right. It's a small thing, but 
I remember talking about it with my friends all the time. Okay. And I quickly referenced it, Brendan, while we were rewatching it today, and that was Genie's Fiero, that oh, iconic two door car. What would be the 2020 version of that car that she would have that everybody would be talking about? She got a car, I got a computer, kind of thing. Mm. A Mini Cooper or something? I thought of that, that or that, the VW Bug. Yeah. Bug. But anyway, it, small thing, but just... It, it played such a big part that, in watching that movie, and it was so 80s, and it was so stylish, and was, I'm like, oh my god, I wish I had that car. But it was not, it, it was not like a high-end car. It was definitely... It's a Pontiac. Yeah, it's a right. Pontiac. Uh, a Prius? I, um, I don't think it's not trendy enough. No, not trendy enough. The trendy cars are expensive these days, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Tesla. The Jeep? Is it a Jeep? A Jeep? Oh, it could be a Jeep. Every every high school kid wants a Jeep. Right. Yeah. All right. That might work. So my second question, it might be a little bit more of a debate, and you sort of referenced it at the beginning of the discussion, which is the Dankeschön song. Yeah. If this were remade in 2020... What would the song be? For the parade scene, would they do Donka Shane and Twist and Shout still? Or would there be songs that would be 20 years more current? So something out of the um, 80s so and 90s, it was for example. Fil- so that was filmed in the 80s, and those songs are from the 60s? Is that Let's what we're say, saying? Yeah, 50s and 60s. Donka Shane, I think, might be late 50s. I'd have to so I'd have really look. So 20, 25 years old. Right. So you kind of think about the retro song. Would it be like a Bon Jovi song? So I so I was kind of looking at that. Is it Bon Jovi? Is it... Um, Pour Some Sugar On Me? <laughs> I was thinking living on a... Like, what would be... Um, it's got to be something played at a wedding. That's To me, that's what it is. Yeah. So, Eric, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. If redoing the movie, if the songs would be different in the parade scene. If they redid it, I I think they would switch up Don Shane, but I think... Yeah, that's the one. They would have to, they would have to do Twist and Shout again. I don't think... Yeah, I, I agree. Don't, I don't think... Anybody would let them get away with doing anything else of that. Donka Shane would be some sort of like Michael Bublé bullshit. I bet something like that, like from from nineteen ninety nine or whatever. Was he even around? I have no idea. So the Donka Shane one for me felt like more the one that would stick because of the German, like the parade, yeah. like the theme of the parade. The one song that I thought of that might work is Don't Stop Believin' by Journey. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of thinking about, so this is a parade, you were talking about this is a parade that's happening in the middle of the week, it's mostly adults that are there. But that's, that's, to me, that is the Twist and Shout song. 
Right. I, no, I totally agree. Donka Sheen, it has to be like a Vegas crooner song. Right. It has, it's, almost like a, it's almost a Sinatra song is what it is. But I don't know what that is in 1995. Right. Oh, huh. it's, it's a Harry Connick song. It's, it's a Harry, Harry Connick Jr. something. Or it could be like um, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Or oh, that's, that's all of those good. Cherry Papa Daddies. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Anyway, that, that the when we were kind of thinking like about that. remaking yeah, like this that. movie, is there any big part of the movie that would significantly change? And yeah. that those that scene is so iconic. Yeah. Of the twist and shout yeah. and the Donkashane, would they keep it or I think, would they change it? I think you keep twist and shout, and I think Donkashane has to change, but I have no idea to what. All right, Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with me. Uh, the twist, the twist and shout would have to say. Apparently, he pissed I off think- uh, Paul McCartney with. Using that. Oh, really? Because it was a version he didn't like. Oh. He hated it. He didn't like the... Yeah, I read that, too. He didn't like the brass instruments being yeah. incorporated. Yeah. Hmm. Too brassy. <laughs> Shut up, McCartney, and just collect the check. Uh, okay. Memorable scenes and quotable lines. Okay. I'm just going for quotes. All the scenes... Uh, we can go through, but it, it, they're almost too obvious to even discuss, I think. So I'm going to go through what, my short list of quotable lines or the, the most memorable quotes. If I miss any, throw them out there. Okay. This is one of those movies, because of how old it is and how old we are and uh, just how fun of a movie this was there's tons of quotes right the whole goddamn thing is quotes but so best quotes Bueller Bueller that was a huge one uh arguably the biggest Mm -hmm. quote from the movie the most the biggest most iconic one is life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it that's that was in the trailer that was on the movie posters that's the quote of the movie in terms of studios and marketing and right. public consciousness, probably, right? And it really sums up the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's said by the main character to the screen, breaking the yeah. fourth wall. So, uh, this, one's, uh, this one's used in uh, everyday life, in boardrooms, in wherever, in offices, in uh, just joking around all the time. And I don't think people realize that. And I don't know if it originated in this movie, but it's definitely in the movie. In the movie, and it, it's people our age when they say it are referencing this movie. It's pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. fantastic, Cameron. Right. I don't know if that's where it originated from. It's the pardon my French part, but that's great. Uh, okay. This is a good one. Cameron's so tight that if you stuck a lump of coal up his ass in two weeks, you'd have a diamond. Fantastic. I almost fell out of my chair laughing the first time I... Oh, absolutely. And you said that. Yeah, that That was was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Uh, 
one of my favorite ones, and it's one when I watch the movie and it happened today. When it when it happens on screen, I have to say it. I, I'm compelled to say it with the movie. Uh, hi, do you speak English? Uh, what country do you think this is? Right. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> the look on his face. He's so the guy's reaction to it is offended. Like, right. What? Uh, what country do you think this is? Um, okay. This is a good one from Cameron. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This is this is ridiculous. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Shit. I'll go. What the? Oh shit! I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking in the car. Uh. Okay. Uh, so this is a long one from Ferris. When he said this one, I, I at the time in. In seventh grade, I was sort of... I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, I do have a test today. That wasn't bullshit. It's on European socialism. I mean, really, what's the point? I'm not European. I don't plan on being European. So who, who gives a crap if they're socialists? They could be fa- fascist anarchists. It still doesn't change the fact that I don't have a car. <laughs> I loved it, and I, didn't, I never knew what he was talking about. Right. <laughs> so, uh, certainly as a 13-year-old. Uh... I did write down two options for best scene. Okay. They're not quotes, but they're scenes. Okay. So we'll come I've got back, quotes. We'll come back to yeah. quotes in a second. Just I want to throw them out there and just get them okay. off my list. They're, obviously, the Donkashane and the Twist and Shout on the float, it's got to be in everyone's short list of best scenes or iconic scenes for the movie, right? The one that I like the best... The, one that you might like the best, Allison, is when Jeannie kicks Rooney in the face three times. So good. When she's when he is in the house. Those three kicks so quickly to his face, his reaction, her reaction, him falling, fucking fantastic. I'm pretty sure it was one of the hardest one the first time I saw it, it was the hardest I've laughed in my whole life. And could be like still top five, <laughs> the hardest I've laughed in my whole life. <laughs> The whole yeah. sequence of that the scene, the the, the, sh- the editing of it is so it's good. Great. It's great. Mm-hmm. Anybody have, so what are some other options of the most quotable lines? Oh. Quotes. Um, the, the secretary, when she's talking about how everybody loves Ferris, the geek, the blood, yeah. the sweet toys, the kids. They all adore him. They, they think, think he's, he's a righteous dude. Righteous dude. <laughs> Agreed? I did omit all of hers purposely because I couldn't choose between all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, every word out of her mouth is pure gold. Yeah. So, Eric, um, I, sa- I was telling this to, to Brendan... I think for the first 20 years after watching this movie, taking a mint out of a mint oh. dish. Mint? Mint. Like you had to, you have to say it out loud. And still, I would say at least half the time I do it, I either say it or I think it every single time. For sure. Yeah. I do like also, uh, I don't 
don't trust that guy as far as I can throw him. Oh. As far as, I don't well, trust your, that, Yeah, I don't trust that guy as far as I can throw him. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't be throwing anybody. That's, that's great. It's um, true. Another one. Another <laughs> he gives one. Him a look, he gives him, but when he, then to complete that, though, he gives her the look after she says that, and she doubles down. Says, yeah. True. <laughs> He's so <laughs> aggravated with her. I, I, I can just imagine them going through this sort of bullshit every damn day. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the other line that anytime it's like it happens or you hear it, you think it, which is never had one lesson. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's an over. That was one of the things I just read. They, um, that scene was totally improvised. They, because they just, the prop people, they put the room together and the clarinet was in there. And John Hughes and Matthew Broderick saw it, and Matthew Broderick's like, oh, I can play it. And (laughs) obviously he couldn't, and it was just sort of what they threw in. It's so good. And he just, and Matthew Broderick improvised that line. I love it. Um, I have a lot of other like favorite parts, which That's are always I mean, very so subtle. There's so many. Um, but uh, I, I'd say we probably covered the big ones for me. Yeah, I think there's a few on with Jeannie that I think have been have not been mentioned. I think there's a ton with Cameron that we don't go over. Yeah. When Cameron yeah. was in, I mean, when he's singing, right. yeah. all anything he says in the bed is great. Genies don't uh, go piss up a flagpole. Like <laughs> yeah, is yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah. What? Where? One day you might need a favor from Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Then where you be, huh? You heartless wench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud at that today. Come on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to. Pet peeves. Oh, actually, I oh, a, a scene that I, a scene that I want to talk about for me, like the first time I saw it, it blew my mind because I've never seen anything like it before. Like watching a movie when Ferris, well, first Ferris breaks in the fourth wall and talks to the camera, but then when there's the graphics next to him lifting out, oh yeah, the, like the keys picking to out picking the out the parents. Yeah. Sweaty palms. And or like I had never hands. seen anything like that before and that floored me the first yeah. time I saw it. Well this I mean I thought that was so great. And it made me laugh so hard. I did not Still look up. this up. There's there's probably a sidebar we could do off of this on the influences of Ferris Bueller on other movies and other right. T V shows and stuff and things that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this movie. Was I mean, there a TV show that spun off of this? There was. Jennifer Aniston was Sloan, I think. Yeah. I believe John... Was John Cryer going to be Ferris? I, I forget. Don't, I don't remember. Oh, yikes. Yeah, we could do that some other time, but right. there is there is a version... There is an episode we could do on the influences or spin-offs... Mm-hmm. Extensions of Ferris Bueller, almost. Pet peeves. I don't have any pet peeves in this movie. Like nothing stood out. Like, oh, I wish they would have done this, or I wish they wouldn't have done that, or something in the plot was I didn't like it, or 
a character I didn't like or whatever it is. I had no pet peeves with this movie. Nothing stood out. I don't either. The only thing that came up, <laughs> and it came up again today as we were watching it, which is if you're from Chicago, the mm. logistics of doing everything that they're doing based on where they're located in the city yeah. and if you have a car. It's difficult. You could never do that day. But, um, sidebar, I can't remember which one of our kids had this as a math assignment. They had to plot out the, on a map, you know, um, where they went, what was the distance, how long would it take to get there, what would be the fastest mode of transportation to do all of the different things in the city of Chicago that Ferris and Cameron and Sloan did that day. And could they do it in that amount of time? Yeah. Which kudos to that teacher for coming up with the assignment. <laughs> that's great. But that's sort of, that's a, a common Hollywood thing is like the geography never works out. No. And like if you watch, I mean, effectively every movie does it, but John Wick does one where like, is it John Wick 2 or 3, like, in one scene, he's in Brooklyn, and he turns his cor- a corner, and then, then he's downtown Manhattan doing something, right. and he goes down this street, and then he's, all of a sudden he's in New Jersey somehow. Like, you play with the geography all over the place. But, um, yeah, it's, it's about the visuals. It's yeah. Not a, uh, I, I, but I wouldn't have known right. that had I not no, lived I in Chicago. So. I'm saying that, that's... It's definitely a thing, but it doesn't even qualify as a pet peeve. I think no. we're all aligned. That there's no real flaws with this one. That jump out on us at least. Why watching the movie today was the only time I really came thought of this. But a pet peeve that I have is living in Chicago. The Chicago downtown Chicago all day long. They go to Wrigley Field. They're all over the city of Chicago, and Cameron is wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey. I know. Apparently, that was a John a John Hughes thing because he grew up. Uh, partially at least in Detroit and was a fan of the um, hmm. Red Wings, Gordie Howe. Yeah. I would have called this a pet peeve, but I always wondered, even at the beginning, how did the mom not go in the room when she comes home to check on him? No, I mean... But... How did... I mean... Okay. The fucking Again, dad. Again, it's... Dad looks over, he sees him in the car. Like, how do you... He doesn't recognize Ferris' girlfriend. I know. Speaking speaking of the dad, going back to the quotes, wrap a hot towel around my yeah. head. <laughs> um, <laughs> there have been numerous times where I've uh, uh, quoted that scene. Wrap a hot towel mm-hmm. around my head. All right, let's move on to Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I've got two scores for you. I want you to guess what you think they are. The audience score, you know, z- right. zero to 100%, and the critic score, mm. zero to 100%. What do you think Ferris Bueller's Day Off scored with the audience? Zero to 100. 87. Eric, what do you think? Uh, 93. Ooh, Eric is closest. The audience gave it a 92%, which I think is low. I'm surprised it's below 95. Yeah. Yeah. 
What do you think the critic score was, Al? Mm. Critics are generally harsher right. than the audience, but... 71. I was going to say 75. Oh. Eric is closer again. Dang it. Of course he is. Barely. He sort of prices price righted you. Uh, critic score of 80%. Mm, really? Cert- uh. Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but 80 and is that a so is that a current? Would that have been at the time that the movie came out? Like thumbs up, thumbs down, Siskel and Ebert kind of thing? An aggregate of everything. Everything. Old scores, new scores, whatever. Got it. I, I don't know who's reviewing it yeah. now, but <laughs> you know. But like I mean, they'll have Roger Ebert reviews from eighty five or whatever okay. it was. So Okay. To that end, or more Rotten Tomatoes stuff, there you can go through all the reviews. And so I picked out one, two, three, four, five, five reviews that I thought were interesting. Obviously, you can get the highest of the high, the lowest of the low, but I picked a few that um, were notable just because of the publication, therefore, okay. or the reviewer, and then what they had to say. So, you'll see a pattern in some of these. Uh, Kathleen Carroll, the New York Daily News. Ferris Bueller has some cheerfully zany scenes, but it lacks the originality and verve of Hughes' previous telltale teen comedies. Hmm. So she's sort of lukewarm on it. Yeah. New York Daily News. Uh, Variety, that doesn't say who it is, but Variety said, and these are all reviews from the time, too. Yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller exhibits John Hughes on off day. Paucity of invention here lays bare the total absence of plot or involving situations. So, again. That that is why I kind of picked a lower, because I want to say I remembered it was more like audiences loved it more than the critics loved it. Yeah, which you would expect. Right. I'm surprised that the New York Daily News and Variety were like, eh, it's okay. That's weird. The New York Times, Nina Darnton. In this film... Hughes has created a character who is every teenager's fantasy, but in the process, he has lost some of the authenticity of his other movies. I think the others always had kind of these sure. deeper emotional components to them. Sure. Yeah, this movie, it was far lighter. I mean, he, he's talking to the audience, and it's, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know if zany is the right word, but it's... Yeah, it would... I always struggle with that because, not that in particular, but when, but it's it's not trying to be those other movies. It's a right. different formula of a movie. It's a different kind of movie, almost a different genre than the other ones, right? Agreed. So don't measure it against the other ones. They're not in the same category. Yeah. Measure it against what it's trying to be. But whatever, fine. So I've got That's- both... Yeah, go ahead. That's kind of how Hollywood works, though. They yeah, and that's one they of the 
problems, right? You do the same thing over and over again. This is what you do good. We want you to keep doing that. And, yeah. So I've got, I've got uh, an excerpt of Gene Siskel's review and Roger Ebert's review. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Of the time. Of the time. Okay, good. Uh, they both wrote these lengthy reviews. I just picked out sort of the gist of each one. They go into all the details of the character of this, the character of that, John Hughes, whatever. So these are the distilled versions of their reviews. So here's Siskel. And then there's the matter of the film's overall structure. At the end of the picture, we get the message that Ferris may have an altruistic motive for ditching. He may be, oh, uh, sorry, it may be that he really sees himself as, a, as the class Pied Piper, setting an example for free-living spirit, free-living spirit for his uptight friends who have typical rotten parents. If the element of Ferris as teacher had been scattered more frequently throughout the movie, it would have been a better film. The picture should be re-edited. Whoa. Two stars. He gave it two stars out of four. His mini, his mini review, which is like less than a sentence, is it's not worth cutting class, Gene Siskel. Wow. So, and he obviously went into more detail, but there he even talks about the Ferris is a do-gooder trying to help Cameron or right. this Garth character that didn't make the cut. He saw that without knowing all that backstory, I'm right. sure. Hmm. I didn't see that at the time. It's just a kid cutting class, acting like a knucklehead. Maybe that's why Gene Siskel is Gene Siskel. I don't know. Could be. So, now here's Ebert's review. He's generally easier than Siskel, I think, but I don't know if that's the case exactly. They're different, obviously. Ebert... Here is one of the most innocent movies in a long time, a sweet, warm-hearted comedy about a teenager who skips school so he can help his best friend win some self-respect. In all of his films, adults are strange, distant creatures who love their teenagers but fail completely to understand them. Talking about John Hughes's films. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the case here, all right. All of the adults, including the bumbling, school, bumbling high school dean, Jeffrey Jones, are dim-witted and one-dimensional. The movie solutions to Cameron's problems are pretty simplistic, but the film's heart is in the right place, and Ferris Bueller is slight, whimsical, and sweet. Three stars. Three out of four. Hmm. So Siskel gave it two, said it was eh, okay, but they should have re-edited the whole thing. Ebert said three out of four, and it's, uh, it's a warm-hearted comedy. Right. I think he got it a little bit. I think he's got the it intent better. of the movie more. Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. It's in, it, these reviews are interesting because yeah, they didn't have the the knowledge and the hindsight that we just talked about. That it became to you can't even call it a cult classic because it's no, yeah, it was so mainstream and so big and popular. It's got to be on. Whatever list of top comedies. I mean, I don't know where you put it, but well, it's in the <laughs> top 100 movies to watch during the quarantine. Ferris Bueller's <laughs> Day Off made it in there for sure. A quarantine classic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's so so much of it is so ingrained in pop culture now. Right. Yeah, you can't even say it's like a 
cult classic because it's. I think yeah, and, that's a better way to pop culture. Yeah. 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 So this leaves us with two categories left. Uh, would this movie work today? Mm-hmm. My first thought is no, because of cell phones. But if you, when you introduce cell phones into this, it just makes it a different movie. But would it work? I don't know. I feel like it could, I because it, I think he could be doing, like, having pictures of him that he's posting on Facebook or on Snapchat or whatever of not feeling good that he's posting right? while he's doing all these other things to kind of That's what I'm have thinking. a I think false it be- trail. It becomes more of a scavenger hunt with Ed Rooney. Yeah. Like, he's finding all these hints and, and clues online through whatever social media thing or who knows what. I mean, there, there's more of a chase in it than in the current movie. Yeah. Or could it also be a joke in itself where people are taking pictures, but they're never quite... Oh. He's always somehow obscured. Yeah, yeah. You can't quite get him. I love I, it. I thought of that with the parade scene. I love it. Kind of thinking about he's got all of those girls around him, so, like, his face is always... Like, he's that sort of kind of covered up. That would be great. Yeah. And he's changed his clothes so many yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's at the Board of Trade. Oh, my God. At the Wrigley Field. At Shea Paul. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did um, think about, you know, rather than the guy walking through the halls with the soda can collecting change it would be like a GoFundMe oh, yeah. thing totally. and then what like would be done with the mo- like going back to the do-gooder thing like what would he end up doing with that money um, in a very different way instead of the girl in the hall talking on the payphone he'd be texting people in class or whatever right, right. Yeah. Yeah. it'd be yeah instead of Again, it'd have the graphics on the screen of people you'd be reading their text that they're typing. Yeah. Would he be on oh, his own style. YouTube channel, like or Facebook living wherever he was? I don't know about that. Then we give him away. But I think you were talking Cameron's about all the technology an, an, an that he Uber had. Uber driver. Like Cameron definitely is Uber driver. But you were talking earlier about all the technology that he had. Today, he still would have all of that tech, but it would be much more sophisticated that he would use it, again, for videos or pictures that he would have created already as a false trail, so to speak, of what what was happening with him not feeling well for the day, and that's what gets spread around all through the high school and all of this stuff while he's out doing whatever. He'd have a technical an online apparatus to show that he was sick in various ways. Right. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so I had this one, this one area that I, it's, uh, I wanted to have this for other movies. So I included it for this one, but I didn't have an answer for this, but what would or could a sequel be to this movie? 
I don't know that this one needs a sequel. I don't know that anything makes sense, but we were talking about it earlier today. The sequel that I want to see really doesn't involve Ferris. Like, I want to see, like, Cameron, the college days. You know, Cameron at, at school. What, what is he doing? Or I want to see Ed Rooney after he's fired as principal. Where does he go? And what sort of stupid things is he doing? Like, I want to see those stories, not so much the Ferris story. Or, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I've always wondered about, like, I could never think of a decent sequel until you said somebody else's story. What if Jeannie, her senior year, becomes Ferris and takes her day off? Because she sort of has this change of heart at the end of the movie. And oh, Jeannie's day off? Like, it is, yeah, and have Jeannie's <laughs> day off. <laughs> I like that. I like That's that. That's good. Um, I, w- I had thought of kind of thinking of the different character angle is, of course, the Charlie Sheen character. Well, so it'd be Jeannie and Garth's weekend at Bernie's or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> or just having a story or having a parallel story to have Garth's story, yeah. his whole movie, and then his movie ends with him at the police station and he beats Jeannie yeah. there. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the question. Do you go prequel? Do you go simultaneous right. movie? Do you go sequel? I don't know. But Well, one thing I toyed about when I was coming up with the 2020 version is, at, but he's too old, which is having Matthew Broderick be the dad. Oh, yeah. Not as Ferris, but just be the dad right. as a nod to the old movie. Oh, I have him as Ed Rooney. I'd have him as the, the, the principal. <laughs> He's not the guy for that, yeah. but yeah. All right. Well, let's move to the finale here. And this is the uh, celebrity net worth, how much are they worth game? Let me pull this up. This is going to be interesting because we have a lot of uh, hmm, not big names on this list. So, Eric, if you're not familiar, this is where you have to guess the net worth of these celebrities. And closest one to it wins that round, and whoever gets the most wins overall, just for shits and giggles. I almost always finish last, so uh, <laughs> you should have no problem finishing at least second. So we'll see how that goes. So the contenders, the five contenders for this Do, movie okay. are Jeffrey Jones, okay. Ed Rooney, Jennifer Grey, Jeannie, Mia Sarah, Sloan, Alan Ruck, Cameron, Matthew Broderick, Ferris. You didn't pick Charlie Sheen? No. I took the, the biggest characters. Well, according to Amazon, that's Charlie Sheen, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's Charlie Sheen's breakout movie, apparently. All right, so let's start with Jeffrey Jones. So what is Jeffrey some, Jones's net worth? And yeah. he, didn't he have some legal issues, or was that just a... I think there was some child pornography involved. Or, or was that a kind of a false story? I don't know. I don't know if it's okay. true or false. 
He appears in uh, The Hunt for Red October. That's all I know. And wasn't he in Howard the Duck? Howard the, <laughs> Howard the Duck. He was in Amadeus. He was in Beetlejuice. Oh, mm. oh Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Okay, all right. All right. I'm going to say 1.5 million. Whoa. Out of the box, 1.5 for Al. I think that's low, but... I'm going... I'm going with legal troubles. Oh, Beetlejuice, Ferris, Humphrey October, eh, any number of other parts here and there, plus some legal issues. Maybe there's a divorce in there. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Residuals, but from the 80s. I'm going to go with five. Whoa. Five million. All right, Eric? I'm just, um, I'm going to say three. I guess I'm splitting the difference. Wow. Okay. All right. I I feel like we're all going to be low, though. I don't think so. Oh. Someone has hit it on the nose. So, Eric, when someone gets it exactly, you get a bonus point. So instead of winning one point in that round, you win two. Okay. Okay. So it's worth twice as much, obviously. But it's, it's in a game of five, that's, that's a big deal. So Jeffrey Jones, net worth $1.5 million. Oh, yeah. Oh. So Allison gets a double whammy. Woohoo! Christ almighty. Let's see if I can see anything on here. Let's see. Amadeus, Ferris Bueller, Easy Money. He was on TV shows, Sarah and Kojak. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> In 2003, he pled no contest to felony charges related to child pornography and solicitation. He is registered as a sex offender. It's a pederast, dude. (laughs) Pederast. Eight-year-olds, dude. Eight-year-olds, dude. Quintana, man, he can roll. All right, Uh, Jennifer Gray. Mm. EY? Oh, um, I guess I'll get... Weird timing, but I'm going to make a correction for what I said before. Jennifer Aniston, I, lo- I looked at the subway when we were talking. Jennifer Aniston did not play Sloan on the TV show. She played Jeannie. Oh, yeah. Jennifer yeah. Aniston played Jeannie on the Ferris Bueller TV show. Got it. Yeah. And she almost didn't take friends because of that, right? If I remember. I think so. Wow. I didn't realize they were that close. Yeah. That was... She had done the pilot and stuff like that for Ferris Bueller, the TV show, and then the Friends thing came, and it was it was real close. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, Jennifer Grey. What is her net worth? We know her from Dirty Dancing. We know mm-hmm. her from this. And then I don't remember her anything in anything else. She I know so I've seen her in other things, but she looks so generic... She she comes and goes. You never knew she was there. Yeah, she's a a Lego minifigure. Like she's just a just a blank slate. uh, Whatever. Um. So I'm putting her at 
think she's done some stuff that we don't know about. Could even be like voiceover stuff. Who knows? Um, I don't know who she married. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. I'll put her at 2.3 million. Okay. What about you? Or Eric, what about you? She's got, that dirty dancing money's got to be worth something. You'd think, right? <laughs> dirty dancing money. It's still got it's still coming in. Uh, I'll give her. I'll give her six. Six. Six million. All right. Mm-hmm. Al. I'd say eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh, you know who she? I just. You know who she's married? I. I don't know if she's still married to him, but I think she was married to uh, Bill Coulson, Agent Coulson, that actor. Oh, really? I think they were married. I don't know if they still are. Hmm. I did not know that. Well, I don't know. Jennifer... Ooh. Jennifer Gray's net worth... Did Al to make her guess? I said 8.5. 8. Yeah, 8.5 for yeah. Al, 2.3 for me, 6 for you. She has a net worth of 10 million. Huh. I think you just right I almost said 10 Yeah Alright this round we are Writing down our numbers Before we say it Okay. So that we don't steal each other's Or don't uh, uh, Prices right each other Which is not what I I know I'm just saying did before. Okay. When, we, when we've done this in the past We've done it that way Okay uh, okay, Mia Sarah. <laughs> we only know her from Legend and Ferris Bueller. <laughs> and Time Cop. That's it. Time Cop. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to write down mine. Um, she did do other stuff, but it wasn't very much. I've got my number. Allison's got hers. What about you, Eric? Um. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I'm only gonna. I'll say. I'm only gonna. I'll say 1.5. <laughs> 1.5 for Eric. I said one. What do you got? 800000 800000 You're trying to $1 us. Okay. Is Mia Sarah the same as MIA? Hmm. No. Somebody has hit this on the nose. This is two in one game. It's not me. Uh, <laughs> Mia Sarah's net worth is one point five million. Aha! Wow. Uh-huh. Iraq. Back in the game. You're down three to one because Allison is killing both of us. Well, he got it sp- on the nose, so you get. St- oh, you, you got a two. You got a double, so you're down three to two. So two, one, two. Uh, legend. 
Ferris Bueller. From there, went to be a, she was in Queenie, Daughter of Darkness, A Stranger Among Us, Time Tracks, a bunch of garbage, Time Cop, quality. Chicago Hope, <clears throat> Jack and the Beanstalk, The Real Story, Birds of Prey, <laughs> the animated series, mm. um, CSI New York, The Witches of Oz. She won a Saturn Award, a Saturn Award, for her performance in Time Cop. Wow. With Jean-Claude. Fantastic. That's nice. All right. Uh, Alan Ruck, you know him as Cameron. I know for sure he did that Michael J. Fox show. Mm-hmm. Um, Spin City? Spin City. Mm-hmm. And you've seen him here and there, but I don't know what exactly. He was in Speed. Mm. <laughs> yes, he was. He was definitely on that bus. I also remember him being on some other before Spin City, and it, thinking about it now, it's sort of a precursor to Friends. Where it was yeah. like a bunch of young people, yeah. sort of group of friends, sort of living <clears throat> all living together, and he's part of that. Sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, threesome. Uh, see, I what? W- I think I know what it is. I don't know if he was in it though, but there was one coincidentally that we're talking about this that Molly Ringwald was in called Townies. Oh. Mm. It was a sprint, a friend's ripoff yeah. for a season. Oh, of, yeah. Well, he might, I wonder if he's in that one. I don't know. All right. Uh, do you have your number, Eric? Um, Just say yes or no, and then Allison and I can throw ours down. Uh, yes, I have my number. All right. My number is 12 million. Whoa. I've got five. Mine was four. Okay, see, when I'm like a huge outlier, it's always a problem. I feel like he, did he do any directing? I don't know. I feel like there's something big that we're missing. Oh, I think there definitely is. Alan Ruck has a net worth of $10 million. Wow. Let's see. Spin City, Biloxi Blues on the Broadway. He was. Did he start producing or something? Uh, he was in Bad Boys in '83. Not that Bad Boys, but the Bad Boys star- starring Sean Penn. with John Cusack. This is all old stuff. Um, guest appearances on tons of shows like Scrubs, Stargate, Atlantis, Cougar Town, mm-hmm. Ghost Town, The Happening, I Love You, Beth Cooper, Extreme Measures, 
TV, persons unknown. So hmm. lots of little stuff. Great. Nickled and dimed it to ten million. Wow. Ten. All right. In the finale, the big gun, Matthew Broderick. What is his net worth? Matthew Broderick. Would help if I spelled his name right. I feel like I need to revise my number, but I'm going to stick with it. Does he get the does his does Sarah Jessica Parker's no. money get dropped I, into this pot? I don't know. I don't know how they calculate it exactly. So we just go with whatever they do, and I would think it, there's some connection there, but I don't know how much of it sort of bleeds over. Um, I'm going to put him at. I've got a number. Allison's got a number. Do you have a number, Eric? Yeah. All right. This is net worth. Allison, what do you got? I feel like I'm going way out on a limb going first. I've got $52 million. Ooh. I've got 25 Eric, 25 I get 25 was also my guess. Damn. Wasn't he big with the producers on Broadway? That's Oh, the really- producers. Of course. I'm going to That's where I'm banking. I'm, I'm losing this. I'm banking he banked on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I said 25 million. Eric said 25 million. Allison said fifty-two million. <clears throat> if you add them all up together, yours, mine, and Eric's, we're still almost fifty million dollars off. What? Matthew Broderick uh, has a net worth of one hundred and fifty million dollars. Oh my God! See that he's got that sex in the city money. He's got. It's into his gotta spot. be right. I mean, that's uh, he's not making a hundred million over a hundred million dollars off of a run on Broadway. No, no, well, he, let's kind of go through his. He made his okay, so this is not his IMDb, but this is what they list as the reasons for his number. <clears throat> oh. So, Eric, you're right. This is, so this can inform our numbers in the future. Okay. He's an American actor with a net worth of $150 million. That is a combined net worth with his wife of more than two decades, actress Sarah Jessica Parker. Hmm. So they've got Ferris Bueller. They've got Glory, War Games, Election, would you like to play a game? Yeah. Brighton Beach Table Memoirs. Guy. They've got the producers. They've got How to Succeed in okay. Business Without Even Trying, the musical, Tony Award for the producers. 
blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so. Cable guy? They don't mention cable guy on here, but sure. How did that get missed? Of course. So Allison wins that on accident. She gets four. I get one. Eric gets two. Allison wins. Whee! Once again, <laughs> the host of the show gets the shaft. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a nice way to prove that it's not a fixed game. Oh, the, no game has been less fixed than this game. <laughs> I create it. I put it together. Can we, can we do a bonus I of Charlie suck. Sheen? Because I Charlie feel Sheen. like that was a miss. Right. That's a missed. As a one. bonus, what do you think Charlie Sheen is, his net worth is today? Oh. Okay. Who knows what it was 10 years ago. Yeah. But today. Okay. I got a number. A number that would be, I think, significantly less. Okay. Eric, I got a number. Do you have a number? Uh, I'll... I'll write down one. Hey, what do you got? 61. Allison says 61. I say 170. Whoa. Mine is 200. (gasps) 200. Whoa. Two and a half, that friggin' two and a half men. Right. Oh, shh. I'm wondering how much he snorted. I know. Hmm. This number is so vastly different than any of us thought. It makes me think that it's it's it, something is wrong. Charlie Sheen's net worth, according to our source of truth, celebritynetworth.com, Charlie Sheen is worth ten million dollars. Wow. He blew a lot of money. I'm sure there were drugs, there were lawsuits, lawsuits. there were divorces, paternity, yeah. uh, everything, bad investments, housing, whatever, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But 10? Charlie Sheen made $1.25 million per episode at the highest with Two and a Half Men. Oh, my God. Blah, 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 consistently the highest paid person on television at the peak, bringing home as much as $40 million every year when syndication points were included. Blah, blah, blah. Anger management was a show. Oh, yeah. Oh, they go through his old decline. Five, he still pays $500,000 a year in child support. Uh, whatever, right? He spent 7.2 on a home, attempted to find a buyer for 10, uh, whatever. Uh, he had some problems. Yeah. Let's just say that. Wow. Wow. That is, that's rough. He's making a million plus an episode, and he, 10 years later, he's worth only $10 million. Less than a season's worth of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. They might have been doing 23 episodes a season right. or something, you know? Wow. Christ almighty. All right, well. Interest, that is interesting. Do we have any closing thoughts on Ferris Bueller, or does that kind of, that, that does it, right? 
I think so. Yeah. I would say there were two hundred. Holy shit! There were two hundred and sixty-two episodes of Two and a Half Men. <laughs> so for the first half, oh, they, he, was, he, he wasn't in all of them. He only right. he, they fired him. Yeah. So. Okay, so he let's say he appeared in a hundred and ninety of those. He appeared in hundred and seventy-eight. Oh, well, I'm good. Uh, so hundred and seventy-eight. So maybe the last seventy-eight or a hundred, he made call it seven fifty or better per episode. Just yeah. doing the math on a hundred thousand an episode. Yeah, it's, I mean, I know, Ugh. dude. <laughs> Sheen, man. That's not how to manage your wealth there. Yeah. Uh, only other closing comment is just in general, the movie sh- like just played such a big part in That's kind awesome. of movies that I would watch, whether it's high school, college, with friends, quotable. Um, everything. It was. It's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Super influential. Um, it definitely influenced. Uh, I can't think of a TV show with Brian Cranston as the dad, and the wife would shave his back, and he had the two kids. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. It definitely influenced that. It definitely influenced like Arrested Development style. It definitely influenced a lot of those those movies or those shows. Um, TV, I mean, movies as well, but um, super influential. Influential, and I don't know, one of the iconic movies of the eighties for sure. Yeah, yeah. First time I saw it, it it. Open my eyes to a whole new <laughs> world. We were nine. Like I, like I was not. I was m- probably maybe only ten years old when I saw it, and I had never seen anything like it. Your whole world was Scooby Doo and the Smurfs. I mean, uh, that's all yeah. it was. So, and uh, Little House in the Prairie, Star Wars, Star yeah. Wars, Star, Jones. Star, <laughs> Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars, and Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's good, good first one. That's the episode. 